Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual, but I don't know for how long, by JP Ong because... Why do you say that? Sounds so ominous. Where will you put it? <laughs> well, one of us could get sick. I mean, uh, I mean knock on, I, knock on, knock on the panel, right? I could go on vacation. I could, you know, forget how to get to work now that I'm giving up my car. There's so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you sound very spry and very um, very upbeat this no, Thursday. No, I'm not. I'm I, very, I meant that as a joke. I but. am very upset about having to give up my car. Oh, well, and I do know you're a bit of a motorhead, right? So, <laughs> and I'm a but motorhead. There you go. But, uh, this is well. my attempt at doing my part for the environment. But let me just state for the record... I'm not necessarily happy about it. So you're not just giving this up for upcoming Lent. This is an actual no, life no, change this, of yours. This is an actual life change. I am giving up my car. Well, you know, a lot of financial analysts do talk about cars not being the most sound investments. But I think most people, when they clearly do get they their don't cars, play golf, they a they don't play golf, and b I think uh, pe- folks who do get cars, I mean, they're probably getting it for a different reason. I mean, it's the love of the machine, right? I love the <clears> machine. <throat> I love the engineering. Yeah. I love the you know the whole driving experience. I'm feeling as down as the markets look. Oh, and you know what? We actually it was it's 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 interesting you bring that up because earlier today we actually started out with some gains mm-hmm. and how quickly that all wilted away, right? <clears throat> We're now down by about 21 points and trading at 3,161. A value turnover also picking up 611 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands right. in the morning session alone. Clearly more losers than winners today. I mean, it seems that Wednesday was just a brief uh, respite or just a, just a, some false hope for the markets. We did close Wednesday, just a point in the green. And how about that? One point in the green on Wednesday and 21 points down so far today. The picture is very similar when you look across the region. Everybody is selling off. The Nikkei 225 is down by 2%. The ASX 200 out in Australia is down by 0.3% today. It seems that the good times, at least for Australia, are starting to just uh, pair back uh, considerably also. I think one of the concerns out in Australia is um, not just with the impact of the uh, of the bushfires, which, by the way, we haven't really talked about recent times, but, you know, it's still a concern out there. But there, I think the, I think one of the worries now is if the coronavirus continues to impact consumer, uh, starts to really impact consumer demand in a, in a big way, that's going to impact a lot of commodities and not just oil. We're talking about base metals and, and, expa- and economic expansion, which will then put some of the miners in Australia in a bit of a bind moving forward, especially since they all foreshadowed that there's going to be a bit of a pickup this year. So ASX 200 is down by 23 points. You've got Shanghai and Shenzhen still closed today. The KOSPI has fallen by about 1.7%, and the Hang Seng down by a full 2%. Where it's now at 26,612 in Hong Kong. So when you take into account our losses today of about 0.6%, in a percentage magnitude, it's not as bad as some of our peers in the Asia-Pacific region. But basically, we're saying that we are the cleanest shirt in a basket of dirty laundry, right? Again, are we? Uh, it, seems, it seems to be the case. <clears throat> it seems to be the case. So, yes, I mean, 20 points down is might not be the prettiest picture, but it could be a lot worse. You could be a trader out in Hong but Kong staring so at your screen. But this is so consistent with the way the SDI behaves. Even, it's true. Even when there is a real strong rally, we're half of that number. Yeah, exactly. I think it's also, yeah, we, 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 it, it is a par for the course, I guess, that we don't really, I guess, and markets here don't 
really get carried away a lot. I could be wrong. I've only been looking at these markets really for 14 months. But mm-hmm. still, it doesn't seem uh, at the moment. The mood, though, I think, is still very much focused on the uh, updates now with regards to the uh, coronavirus. It, it just broke on CNBC that a number of uh, provinces in China will be extending their Lunar New Year holiday if you can call it that, all the way up to February 9. And uh, Hubei province, where the city of Wuhan is located, is going to be uh, on lockdown and shut down, really, and not operating for the most part until Valentine's Day, February 14. And uh, all of this, again, in efforts to try and and minimize the amount of uh, interaction and the possibility of the virus getting passed around from one person to another. Mm -hmm. And uh, today we just got updates again of of a handful of, of new cases also detected here in Singapore, right? So is this really par for the course with regards to uh, vi- viral uh, um, uh, viral infections being spread? I mean, uh, we, we, this is what, the second, third week now? We've actually been talking about uh, a possible outbreak, actually, or a possible uh, sp- the spreading mm-hmm. of, of the coronavirus. There's a chance that things could get even worse. UBS's CEO actually spoke to CNBC the other day. And when asked about it, he said, based on our experience, it's going to take at least 12 months to come up with a vaccine. And this is from one of the biggest pharma companies in the world saying, yeah, you know, we'd love to help out and get in there, but it's not going to be as easy as it looks. And the folks at the National Institute of Health in the U.S. have said they've also tasked Moderna, which is a company based in Massachusetts, to look to develop a vaccine. But they've said, basically, we're going to have to wait for three months for us to do trials, even if we come up with a vaccine, another three months to look at the data, and then another round of three-month trials. Mm-hmm. Before, you know, so that puts it pretty much in UBS, in, uh, in Novartis' ballpark, right? That uh, you know, we are looking at, at a possible 12-month time frame before a vaccine's actually developed. And you can't hurry these things because we've also seen what happens when you have faulty medicine out there, right? There's, well, there's two things at play here. First of all, there is finding a vaccine so we, we don't succumb to this illness. There is the other thing, which is containing it and controlling it. And when it is it at its peak and when it starts to wane. I mean, like with any season flus and stuff like that, that it will hit its zenith and then it will taper off. Mm-hmm. At the point that it starts to taper off, the question then becomes, how wide was the spread? Right. And how many people were affected? How many people might have lost their lives to it and how it impacted the markets. I mean, if you're talking about finding a vaccine, that's going to be far ahead of controlling it. Right. That was the same thing that we saw with SARS. SARS sort of came under control and the, and the numbers of infections started to fall before there was a vaccine for it. Right. I think. And uh, so, again, it's not just because it's going to take that long mm. for a vaccine to come out doesn't mean there aren't there are no there are no measures we can take to yeah. try to contain things and actually yeah. and actually try to get a get control or at least uh, tamper down on the spread of this virus should it continue. But we're seeing it really affect a lot of markets. I think the big question is just how big an impact is going to have on the Chinese economy. Remember last year before the, Which, any of this know, happened. Looks back at the question I asked you yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I think uh, the big question in the second half of 2019 was, well, a lot of these economic institutes from the IMF, out the World Bank, and some of these leading private banks also have said that, you know, we think China for the, will actually see growth below 6% for the first time since the 80s mm-hmm. or the 70s. And uh, there was a call that, oh, you know, stimulus measures are going to come in. They're going to rise right above that. There's, it's, there's still a chance. 
But this virus, again, as we mentioned, happening during the Lunar New Year when a lot of consumption is happening. I'm just reading a, um, some of these uh, folks at Plenum Economics, which is a group out in China that's, that's been tracking the, the impact, at least, on some sectors in, 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 on the mainland. For instance, box office receipts in China for movies, they've only made about $260,000 on the first day of the Chinese New Year. You compare that, uh, that's 1.8 million yuan. You compare that to 1.5 billion that they made on the first day of Chinese New Year in 2019. Um, Transport, retail, and tourism all uh, trending a lot lower also. We are getting news that transport sector, for one, they could see about 6.4% of annual revenue actually chopped off. And uh, the volume of airline transport has fallen already by 40% year on year on the first day of the Lunar New Year only. So all of this is adding up to things. If you want to look at um, past history, Oxford Economics points out that during SARS, at the height of that, we saw GDP growth from China fall by about two percentage points total. um, Based on, and again, it's pretty much a similar impact that we're seeing right now, consumption, travel, really the most affected sectors out there. But when, again, it it could be argued that China, because of how big the economy is and how intertwined a lot of these economies are to it now and how dependent we are, if China sneezes, maybe the world also catches a bit of a cold. It's the worst analogy I know to have at this point. But uh, the concern now, I think, from economists is what kind of impact will this have on the the world's second largest economy? And is there going to be an economic, uh, dare I say, contagion also that might hit some economies that are linked to China, such as Well, clearly there's there's going to be fallout from this coronavirus and and its spread. (laughs) Now, it's interesting because... Transcab called off their IPO a second time amid this virus yes, outbreak. Yes, and that's the thing about... Uh, and about so this. is that already one of the victims? I of- think so. And um, this is a... We can also qualify this not just as a health emer- um, a possible health emergency, mm-hmm. if we haven't called it that yet, or a health issue. This could also be seen as a, bit, as a geopolitical issue at the moment because we don't know how it's affecting market sentiment. So for the second time in their history, Transcab has decided, you know, it maybe now is not the time to actually test the markets because it's not going to be a a big... Remember, the first time they actually called things off, this was because of some issues they had with a poison letter based off of the the history, at least, of Transcab. But they said that because of the Wuhan virus, they've been advised by their advisors to take the prudent approach to let markets settle down before reassessing the situation. Now, it's not that they've said they're going away, they're not tapping into the markets. The interest is obviously there for Transcap to get Maybe the timing's not right. But the timing is definitely not right at the Mm -hmm. moment. And we've seen value turnover. And also, um, the mood actually just a bit sapped. We don't know how Chinese markets are going to trade when they come back online, if they're let back online on Monday, right? We could see reduced volume. We could see reduced uh, turnover. And if that investor sentiment starts to lead into a a catch-up sell-off, for lack of a better term. This is going to affect the mood of the markets and also the ability of some of these companies uh, to raise funds uh, in the public market. So for now, they've canceled their roadshows and meetings, prudently so. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if, you, if you can avoid unnecessary travel, I'd say do it, just avoid any possible risks. And now it seems that the second time now around, um, it seems that their, their hope, at least, to try and seek a valuation of about $200 million Singapore dollars if the IPO was to go on, that's been pretty much put on ice at the moment. Right. Well, you know, I suspect that we're going to be seeing more prudent moves like this that or decisions like this, which are made with the fact that the market sentiment isn't so great. And there is so much uncertainty that still surrounds the coronavirus, its spread 
and the fallout from it. Mm. it uh, we're just getting some estimates at the moment from some banks. Morgan mm-hmm. Stanley also came out with some some numbers as to what the impact might be. But again, early days, as we see every day, we're seeing new cases. Unfortunately, new ca- new casualties or deaths related to the virus also spreading. I, I think France today reported that they saw f- they've already reported five coronavirus cases out in the hexagonal. Things were going to change, and so will the assessments also. And uh, we just hope that uh, you know things. If things are going to get worse, they don't get much worse than some of these early prognoses because the markets won't be able to take it. And also, just the peace of mind and also the general health of the public might also be uh, be, be impacted. So again, it's it it doesn't hurt to be prudent or safe, right? Right now, since you know we've been talking about this for the better part of all of this week, I, I I'm going to change the subject completely. Absolutely. Something that I've been wondering about over the last few days since the tragic news that Kobe Bryant went down and died Mm -hmm. in a helicopter crash is how does his death affect Nike stocks? Oh, let's take a look at that actually, right? So the Black Mamba related, as we know, is one of the iconic. uh, And by the way, um, may I just say that my my hometown Manila was pretty much in mourning when this happened. I can't believe it. Basketball is a religion back home. It is is huge. It is a religion. We're that odd country in the Southeast Asia that says, nope, not football for us. We we like hoops. We like pretending we're six feet (laughs) (laughs) high, right? Eight. (laughs) Nike stock not really moving as much. I think at the moment it's just it's just uh, it's just uh, taking a it's it's not reacting so much. I think it's also Nike's got so many other things in the fire at the mm, moment that mm. they're that they're heating up. There's the uh, this thing that uh, when when you off Jason when Jason was actually uh, here, we actually talked about the this running shoe that they developed called the Vaporfly that's been helping a lot of these elite ma- marathon runners actually right. break records and run. And there was a possibility that they were going to introduce a ban on it. It seems that there's news that that the ban will not be pushing through. They mm-hmm. will be allowed to r- run with these vapor flies for the time being, also. And I think again, it just shows that okay, there might be a, some 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 sentimental drag based off of this news. But uh, Nike is a very well diversified company in yes. terms of sports. They're sure. everywhere. I'm not sh- um, uh, you know remains to be seen if the idea to get out of golf was a, was a, was a smart thing. But uh, they've got all they they're they're, they're well diversified. They That's, do, however, have a huge presence in basketball. And, and I'd say basketball. And they've got among some of the everything. biggest stars front and center. I think basketball. To them. Yes, and uh, pretty much everybody who's a who's a big name in basketball. Um, from the days of Air Jordan, all the way from Jordan, LeBron James. You know, all these folks are just all oh, they're all linked to Nike. I, I I don't think it's uh, hitting the stock as much. But there's definitely a uh, a somber atmosphere sure. around uh, the death of uh, who is arguably the closest thing we've seen to Michael Jordan. I, I'll still hold him out as the greatest of all time. But Michael Jordan. But in terms of the hunger, the drive, the ruthlessness, I don't think we've seen anybody as ruthless. I think that's also why uh, he was such a divisive figure when he was playing, mm-hmm. and or but divisive in in the terms that if you were a Laker fan, which is most people I know in Manila, actually in my circle, they actually are. Um, he was a god. Mm-hmm. But if you were a, were a Rockets a, uh, fan, maybe if you were a Rockets fan, or even just somebody who looked at it, <laughs> you might have seen, you might have looked at Kobe Bryant as a bit of a uh, as a bit of an arrogant uh, yes. figure fill in the blank word. fill it in pretty much <laughs> and you know honestly there have been instances in his career where he's actually shown selfishness all these things he's grown out of it obviously mm-hmm. if you tra- if you track the career of Kobe Bryant 
But he was, a, but at the end of it all, especially at his retirement, when he put up that ridiculous scoreline, I think it was six, was it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was somewhere close to 80 points on his final game. Remember, he was at the twilight of his career, well past his prime. 80, 81, I something believe it was like 81 that. points. I'd, yeah. I'll have to Google, but I'm, anyway. I'm not the biggest basketball I think fan, everybody, but he was Kobe Bryant. But everybody you ask about who was a, who was a basketball aficionado, whether they loved him or hate him, hated him, in the words of Wes Mantooth in Anchorman, mm-hmm. darn it, I respect respect you, Ron Burgundy. In this case, I respect, I re, you have to respect uh, you know, Kobe Bryant. I, I was never a particularly big basketball fan. I mean, my father was huge. My father and my uh, husband were both huge Bulls fans. My father actually got oh, to so watch the Bulls win that first time. He was there watching it in can, Chicago. Can, can, can I end with a, with a, with a, can I end with a short, um, Story of regret on my part. When the, in 2003, I happened to be in Washington, D.C., and someone gave me a chance to watch a Jordan, who was with the Wizards then, mm-hmm. play the Pacers. And I listened to a friend of mine who, I love you, Ch- Charles Babb, but you are a hater, sir. <laughs> he, if you, if he's, he's all the way in Los Angeles. He's probably not listening. And he said, you don't want to watch this game. He's a passes prime and all these things. He's like, you're just going to see an old man just, you know, try and make a fool of himself. So I, said, I didn't do it. So, well, this was, I was in my early 20s, decided to go to a club in Washington, D.C., and there was a line in the limo in front. And being the nice guy that I am, I talked to the big bouncer, and I go, hey, man, what's going on? Who's co- what's, what's the commotion? Oh, you didn't hear? What? Jordan just dropped 43 points on the Pacers. And I almost <laughs> strangled my friend Charles. I think this is why he lives on the other side of the world now. So, guys, if you have a chance to see some of your, if you are a sports fan and you have a chance to see some of your, of your heroes, go ahead and watch them. Of course, again. I think that's good advice for anything. You I, know? I, I, I will be remiss, though, if I didn't bring up that Kobe Bryant was not a perfect person. And, we, no. and I, I don't want to touch on this too much because, again, we, I, I, I try to give it a few days or a week before we actually delve into the character of the person, but there are allegations also that surround him, especially his character and some of his some previous actions. We can take this uh, conversation offline because I also There's know another that, show for this. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, but I think I would be remiss not to take that in totality also. This is probably <clears throat> true. Now, Nike's not suffering from Kobe Bryant, at least the stock I think prices. it's not really doing as badly. I It'd mean, be look, interesting it, it closed to see in the red yesterday. Because but he, not he was involved in so many different businesses oh, and, yes. and had so much of an influence on so many he different sports-related businesses. I'd be very interested to see if there was any fallout from. Did you his know that I, think, I, I believe he won an Oscar actually after yes, that he because did. of a movie and he um, uh, Dear Basketball, a Dear Basketball, and also very intelligent man who spoke three languages fluently. Also, so he's not your dumb average dumb job. Kobe Bryant was a very intelligent. He might have started man. out that way, but he certainly didn't allow he, himself to rest. Which on also those shows roles. that uh, you know we have uh, people can also possibly change. This is absolutely true. All righty then. Um, JP Young will definitely be back on prime time to give you the latest news on the market movements, whichever way they might, they might go. There, there are definitely going to be updates along the way throughout the day before we get there. So I suggest you just stay with Money FM 89.3. This is the Workday Afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero. He's JP Young. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.